0: Welcome to the Storyteller's Tavern. My name is Mush Hughes. I'm Lee Northup.
1: And I'm Leah Hartman.
0: And together, we talk to makers and artists to learn more about the stories behind their projects and creative journeys so far. Thanks for joining us here in the Tavern for Chapter 4, where all of our stories were told during the 2023 Catskill Mountain Maker Camp in East Durham, New York.
1: Hi friends, Leah here. Mush is a little under the weather, so I'm excited to step into the host seat for a bit. Andrew Stanfield, known online as Stanfield Works, is based in Albany, Oregon. He's a freelance media producer and student success coach, so awesome, who also dabbles in making stuff. Mark Adams, whose gorgeous black and white photos you've definitely seen, is a freelance photographer splitting time between Cleveland, Ohio and Portland, Oregon. Mark loves photographing people and motorcycles, but really loves being able to hear everyone's stories the most. Lee, Andrew, Mark, and I talked about the balance and responsibility of social media, feeling seen, and what makes doing, whether that's making or photography, not feel like work.
2: All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Storyteller's Tavern. It's day three, Leah, and uh, the sun is out. If anybody's wondering what that big ball of fire is up in the sky, that's the sunshine. Seen it for a while. It's pretty, pretty amazing. So, um... We have the honor and the privilege of having Andrew Stanfield and Mark Adams. How are you guys doing this morning?
3: Doing great. Good, yeah, glad to be here. Yeah,
2: thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. So Mark, I'm gonna start with you. Um, really excited to have you on the program. We've talked about having um, you on for a couple years, but you are one of the busiest men at Maker Camp. Um, your line is always ridiculously long because everybody wants that special Mark Adams portrait. Um, but for the one person that might listen to this who doesn't know who Mark Adams is, who is Mark Adams?
4: Uh, I'm a motorcyclist who stumbled into Cleveland and then that connected me to the make community. So just random on both accounts. Awesome. And Andrew, who are you? Uh,
3: I'm out here from uh, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Just happy to be here. I, I uh, am a amateur uh, maker and uh, not full time. Don't put out a lot of content, but came as kind of a fan last year. And I'm just really happy to be back again.
2: Awesome. So it's really exciting to sit here and talk to kind of two different people and coming at this event from two different ways. So Mark, you said you stumbled into the maker community. Obviously, your your skill behind a camera is exceptional. Where did you start? When did that, when did that passion kind of hit you as far as photography?
4: Uh, I, I really kind of discovered it was the only thing I was good at in high school. And then, so I just doubled down on it. And by my senior year, I was uh, in yearbook, I was had a photo class, and then I had a uh, teacher's assistant in the photo studio. So half my day was in photography, and then I uh, went to L.A. for some photo school for a bit, and then ran out of money, and then started working in it. So it have been about 30 years now. Wow. So I guess the follow-up question to that is, why the maker community? Like, how did
2: that, because when somebody was putting together a project for you last year, and they're like... When Mark Adams takes your picture, you know that you've finally arrived in like the Maker World. Like that's like your that's your ticket in um, yeah. when you get that Mark Adams picture. So like you're obviously those when you see those black and whites, you just have no doubt like that's a Mark Adams picture. But so why this connection to the Maker World?
4: Um, I, so, a the randomness of it, um, just everything that about the Maker community that I've experienced so far, just the generosity and the way everyone wants to share their their information, and they don't really gatehold anything so you know any you ask anybody any questions and they'll be asking you if they can help you more or they want you can i stop by your shop and i'll show you in person like it's just really everybody wants to just keep giving back and so that's why i try and give as much of my energy back to the make community and kind of hopefully spread the word a little bit
2: and when we got to Maker Camp for the first time, like you were one of our first stops because you kind of pulled us in. It was one of the rare times Mark Adams didn't have a line, and he's like, <laughs> right. get over here, guys. Let me take your picture. And Mush and I like just stumbled in, and we did this shoot with him. And then by the time we got back to our RV, the pictures were on in our inbox, and we're like, oh, my gosh, this guy's a magician. And just like you kind of grabbed us and brought us in, which was super well, special.
4: The first year at um, at the Maker Camp, you know, I hadn't really. People had seen the black and whites from the spring break that Lincoln had in 2019, but they didn't really. Nobody knows my face because I'm not out there. I I usually put everyone else's face first, and so I was almost like I was busking on the subway, like pulling people in, like putting out the jar to bring people in. So, and people didn't really expect the experience of getting the picture taken. So it was kind of a great way to surprise somebody with something yeah. unexpected. Um, and it became a little gift that I tried to give back. And now it's um, people, like last year people would show up and be like, oh, I've been following you for years. And like, you know, I really wanted my picture. And I'm like, well, I really hope this works out because now you've got expectations. So <laughs> it you know, challenged me to push my way, my way in other ways. Uh, more emotionally available for the people on set listening to their stories and that's the best part is just meeting the people.
2: Every time on Instagram when I see one of your shots and I'm not, I know I'm not at that event, it, mm. I have some serious FOMO because <laughs> I just, I know that those are cool people right. and I can see it the way that you bring out their personalities in your,
4: in your shots and I'm just like, dude, I don't
2: know where he is
4: but I want to go there. Right. <laughs> like, well, I, I like the, the recent ones this year because the Maker Camp is every year in October and then so during the other parts of the year there's other events most of those are motorcycle events um the maker camp is really the only maker event that i've been doing lately um but the motorcycle world is the same thing it's like everybody has that sense of community and no matter what you ride there is a little bit of you know some people like harleys and some people like bmws and adventures stuff like that but in general if you ride and i see by the side of the road i'm definitely going to pull over i'm going to help you with a flat tire you know get a hauler for your your bike if you need it Um, And you just, that sense of community is kind of a shared sense in both the maker and the motorcycle community. So that's how I feel attached to that. So cool. Andrew, you're coming into it
2: as you self-proclaimed fanboy of, of makers and all of that stuff. And, you know, that first year we came to maker camp, like that's exactly where we were. Like we're walking around, Jimmy Duresta like comes up to us and says, hi. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like Jimmy's right here. And then you get to know him. You just know he's one of the most down to earth, like humble human beings that's out there. And, um, and then Within minutes, you get your picture taken by Mark Adams. You're doing some welding. You're a friend of the blacksmithers. And uh, right. the next thing you know, you're part of this community and part of this tribe. So maybe walk us through kind of your experience getting to know these yeah,
3: people. Yeah, it's interesting that we, I happen to get paired up on this with Mark because I came last year and was first-timer to anything. And like I said, was a little sheepish. And I, because of the flight prices, I came in a day early. So I met Jimmy. That was huge. But the second person I met was Mark, and it was. What at, about Joe? Well, I was gonna try and keep this show clean. Because <laughs> G- Joe DeResta was,
4: was a welcoming committee to Jimmy Shop l- yes, last yeah, year, and uh, right was he's a little bit of a ballbuster. Yeah, he
3: he gave me just all of it right <laughs> off the bat. But um, but Mark, I mean, I said, oh, you're the photo guy. I've seen your stuff, and he uh, took the time to kind of get to know me and go deep. It wasn't small talk. He like was asking some pretty probing questions right off the bat, and then just really kind of laid out this welcome and, and challenge to say, hey, be open, go for it, don't be the guy hanging back, like dive in, and and so to get that on Wednesday night or Thursday night or whatever it was early really helped, and and so the fun thing was obviously to meet Jimmy and all the, Jackman and, and all the guys, but then to come back this year, I met Leah last year, I met you, and then now it's almost like, a, oh, hey, how are you, and I've, I've been following you since then, I've seen that, and so it's just so much... Uh, if if there's somebody out there who's like I wonder if I should go I'm not I'm not sure I would say man pull the trigger go for it it's worth it for the connections the relationships inspiration you know I you know I, I still have some I had a really significant talk last night with the evening woodworker at dinner about whether or not you need to do content if you're a maker and why you can do it how you can do it differently and so yeah it's just it's just so worth being here
2: Jared is such a good guy yeah. and such a good content creator. He was, I think, the second episode we ever recorded at Maker Camp it was okay. with Brittany Carbone and Jared. Okay. And, um, just good people and, um, again, just so willing to, to share that information. Uh, super He's a fun. Northwesterner too. He's Seattle and I'm Oregon, so that's good. So both of you guys brought up, and it's kind of the undertone of... The maker community is the social media piece. Um, that's how I stay in touch with what Mark Adams is doing. That's how you stay in touch with the, kind of all these makers. As a middle school teacher, sometimes I really fight with. How social media is just killing these kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a complicated thing. Um, my daughter does not listen to this podcast, my oldest one, but when I just see her scrolling through Instagram, it just drives me crazy because she's not, she's not really unpacking anything. She's not learning anything. It's just this like constant scroll of media, and I, like I see that every day with the kids. But for us, it's a tool to learn. It's a tool to stay in touch. Um, what are you guys thoughts on social media and sharing and all of those the goods versus bad I'm just curious
3: oh, it's so funny that you're bringing this up because I have a 15 old 15 year old son and 13 year old daughter who have phones but don't have social and it's kind of a ongoing conversation about that and they're like well dad you're on it all the time and for us like I have a curated feed that feed that is enlivening and inspiring and get, keeps me connected to people uh for you know for teens it's probably a different thing and I don't want to get into all that but they they're on the edge of just being there with, or at least my son who's 16 so I think it can be super useful I think you can use it the right way and, and to do good things but I mean yeah if you're talking about kids I definitely have some some concerns but they they definitely are into some of the same makers as I am so I do share hey like check this out check this out we watch the YouTube YouTube's kind of fun because that's is that social is that considered social yeah, absolutely okay. okay
4: well I think uh, like for me you know I've got my personal feed which is more like, like You know, house projects, so I'm doing something on a remodel or just my daily motorcycle life. Because it's not, when I'm away from the camera, I just want to take a snapshot and it's a a visual diary. And so all that is really not something I'm trying to impress anybody by or I don't really, it's just a visual notebook, which is almost what my professional one is in in the same way. But in the professional one, I know that those images are ones that I've uh, considered. I've got an emotional connection to the people that I'm posting. And I try to, you know be a positive light for people and all of my photography is really focused on making those people feel proud of themselves and being represented and being seen um and in the maker community like the next month two months i'll be rolling out the pictures because i haven't had any time to post so there's been like i can add a few things from stories that people have added that's about the only time i've had but I, it also becomes a social thing. So everyone will see the picture, and then they'll comment on it, and then they'll be like, oh, I met that person, but I didn't get their Instagram, so oh, I can cool. connect with them here. And so it kind of, for, you know, throughout the the Maker post, those are really a social element that people that haven't been able to connect on social can use it and comment and share. And that is a really great way to kind of carry the energy so you don't have that, like, decompression after Maker camp because it is such a, a hmm. high to be here. Um, and it... it Let's people who you know maybe they weren't able to come this year, so they can kind of connect with their friends and see if things have changed, and feel still feel a part of it, even though they may not have been able to, for whatever reason, life got in the way, you know. So that's that's how I, I look at social for me, but I'm just as you know dead-eyed scrolling for no reason at all sometimes, and I realize it, and then I got to put the phone down and I got to reconnect with the people around me.
2: I'm, it's windy, yes. but um, I'd take wind and sunshine
4: over the deluge oh, that happened right, yesterday. Right. Yeah, <laughs> we're not having to swim up to the microphone. <laughs> you know, yesterday, Laker Camp, it
2: was more like Laker Camp, am right? It, it was rough. That's amazing. And Mark, I, when you're talking about that post-Maker Camp hangover, that's happened quite a Like last year, that was bad for me. And it was right. your photos. Every single time one of those black and whites would come up, I'd just see the eyes and maybe I met that person, maybe I didn't, but I'd sit there and be like, I wish I met that person. I wish I met well, that like, person And then now. it gives you the
4: opportunity to look at, look for that person next year, yeah. or you can comment and be like, oh, now I've put a name to the face. Because a lot of the makers, maybe they don't show their faces as much right. in the work. It's more the content about what they're making or like a process shot where they're seeing their hands because they're mm. filming themselves. Um, and a lot of people don't have a chance to get a professional photo. Um and the last time maybe been like a high school senior portrait or something. And so but that was a very different experience. They were probably posed and didn't feel like it was them, but they were always wanted to smile. And I just really want the real emotion. So it doesn't matter if you smile. I'm just having a conversation and in the middle I'm just taking pictures.
2: And uh, the most real photo I think I ever saw all was Leah with a cigar <laughs> last year. <right>. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yep. That was classic. Very classic. Classy. Classy, yeah, yeah that's thought. what we said. Mm-hmm.
3: I will say as a guy, I'm never the guy who wants to jump in front of a camera and get his picture taken. And I think that's maybe true of a lot of some a lot of these guys. And so it, to, to get it in front of Mark's lens and have him do what he does and then to feel the way you feel about the photo is, is pretty unique. And it's a gift, really. And so, like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess I whatever I'm taking pictures of versus, like, the selfies or whatever. And, like, here I am here. Here I am here. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think uh, many people would say that about your photos, Mark.
4: Thank you. Thank you. So...
2: Mark I, I feel like and for both of you actually was there a person was there a mentor was there somebody in your life that like you wanted to emulate as a maker as a photographer as a motorcycle rider like wh- who was was there anybody in your life that you're like yeah that's that's my jam and that's something this particular passion is something I'd really like to hmm.
4: pursue Um I mean I feel like my parents obviously you know cause it really is the core of how you kind of see the world is um how they kind of raised you and they didn't like always also the emotional side of things they didn't give me all the tools in the toolbox but they at least gave me the toolbox to start with and um they were always very supportive of the creativity and anything i did um and they always wanted me to take responsibility for whatever i did as well so i take a huge amount of ownership from it and i really direct that you know entirely from what they gave me um photographic wise i really at the beginning it was all photojournalists Hmm. um just because they were telling stories and showing real people and the fashion stuff at that time was you know it's great but it didn't have a connection to the person. It may have a connection to the designer but not really the model because the model is just kind of a clothes hanger and unless it's an amazing model they're not always asked to do and show their personality Um, which I feel like is a shame because so many people just need that moment of having the personality come through and then they can see themselves in the picture Um, and so that's the realism of the photojournalism showing the raw experience of life, old life magazines and national geographic and all that kind of stuff was the initial inspiration of why I started taking pictures. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. You know, I will say obviously
3: for me, Jimmy is kind of the guy who got me into this whole scene, his videos, and then, but then also getting to, uh, during COVID, it turns out his birthday is the same as my daughter's. And so one year we, during COVID, we made him a little gift as a fan and sent it to him. And he, sent us back a care package full of stuff, ice picks and all these stickers and all these things. And I wasn't expecting that. And I I was just so blown away by that and the impact it had on my kids. And this is before I'd met him. And when he put his phone number in there, which at the time I was thrilled about before I realized he puts it everywhere. (laughs) But but that's what I was saying is, like, as, as special as that made us feel, the more and more you heard that and you're like, he... He does that for everybody, and it's not—it's—it's it's pretty amazing. Like, how does he do it? I see him do it all weekend here, and the other guy I was gonna say is uh, there's an artist in Portland, graphic designer named Aaron Draplin, and I'm a big fan of his too. And and both him and Jimmy have this—I love what they put out, and I love what they create and share. But they both then have this uh, ethos of like how they live, this openness and the sharing with people connecting with... There goes Mark on his motorcycle. <laughs> no, no, He
4: but took like, off. He was yeah, done sorry, with yeah, episode. No. the episode. <laughs> audio sometimes is a challenge in here, I know, so... Anyway,
3: so, like, it's kind of funny because I actually have a goal to get Aaron Graflin and Jimmy Dressed on some sort of collaboration. I know Jimmy knows who Aaron is. I don't know if Aaron knows who Jimmy is, but I've met them both. I'm working on it. I don't know if anybody else can help with that, but those guys, the way they live, the way they do what they do, the way they connect people to this community of, of creativity is... Is, is pretty awesome.
2: I, I love the way you bring up Jimmy's phone number because the first year I was at Maker Camp just having this moment with Jimmy just talking to my new buddy Jimmy and he hands me the white business card that says Jimmy Duresta and his phone number on yeah. it and he's like I've only got one. Here you go. And he gives me this phone number. I was like, holy crap, Jimmy DiResta just gave me his phone number. Like, that made me feel like a million bucks. It's sitting on my desk. Never called him. <laughs> and I don't plan to for any reason. But I just thought that was neat that he actually gave me his phone number so I could pick it up and be like, hey, Jimmy, it's Lee. Like, it's um, kind of fun. The uh, I don't know what's in your pocket, but that's what um, kind of got me... Thinking about possibly Mark Adams' first equipment, like where did you guys start? Maybe there's a tool that you had as a maker, a camera, you know, the, the Kodak disc camera or something like that. And he just pulled out this really it's awesome a, Kodak uh, it's a film camera. Yeah, Kodak film camera is that what's made me think of it? Is there is there a special tool that's in your box that has some kind of significance or something that you shot with at an early age or made with at an early age that has some has some kind of special meaning to you? I took when
3: I was in middle school, 30-some years ago. You you had to take every elective for six weeks. And I took a photography class on film, learned how to develop camera uh, film in the dark room. And so I've uh, had a lifelong uh, you know, interest in that and passion in that, I went to film school, shot my student film on 16 millimeter film. but um, And then also in middle school took woodshop. And that was my first experience with that, working with wood. And so both of those things sparked at a young age that still follow me today. I'm, I'm not doing either one of them professionally or anything, but they're still in my, in my life. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. I don't know the specific tool, uh, I want a saw stop. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> All
4: right. Um, my, well, my dad gave my brother and I both, um, Nikon FE twos back in the day. Um, I had a black one and my brother had a silver one or I had the silver one and he had the black one. I can't remember. Um, and so that back early film camera very basic just really the fundamentals but it was something that my dad gave me so it was something that i enjoyed using and uh the support from that um the tool that i like always have to have on me now which is kind of a joke among everybody is a knife like i just have to have a pocket knife in my pocket because i'm always having to cut something and it's Usually a blister pack or package or, like, the seamless or something. But when I don't have a knife, I'm looking around. It just is a waste of time for me. And so it's just the efficiency of that. I've gotten to the point
2: with my knives where i got to check a bag everywhere I go so that I can bring my knives with me because um, it it stinks to not have that special knife in your pocket.
4: Um, I mean, or sometimes, like, I'll just find, like, the closest hardware store to the airport and just just roll in and get a, a blade with a removable one or, you know, just something that you can have because it is such a necessary thing. And you don't realize... How important it is until you don't have one. Right. I had my first maker camp. They were doing the little knife
2: making, and I had one of those little three-inch blades, and I put it in my backpack, and it was a special memory sure. of, of maker camp. And I put it in my backpack, and it was like two years later, and I'm going through TSA, and they they flagged my bag, and I was like, I was like, what? I was like, what could possibly? Uh, no. why, what are you taking out? And they. Went to the back zipper pocket. They pulled out my first Maker Camp knife, and I was like, "Oh, like the Pac Man woah woah sound was in there," <laughs> and it like so, I was like, "I know you need to take it, but I also need you to know that I've traveled with this and put this through airport security at least a dozen times. Yeah, so yeah. you need to probably check your X-ray machines." <laughs> so. I guess what's next for you guys, like as as we sit here, um, you know, I, I feel like we've unpacked this event and this community quite a bit. Um, you guys have, have shared kind of how important this community is, but where do you guys go as, as makers, as artists? Like, what's what's the next step for you guys?
3: Hmm, that's that's interesting because again, going back to my conversation with Jared last night at dinner, I loved his take. He's got five kids, he's got a full time job, I, and he has his making and his videos, his content, and is right in the zone where he wants it. He gets to kind of control it. It's it's not something he's trying to do full-time and depend on, but he gets to do it for the enjoyment. And that, that really meant a lot to me, because I guess sometimes when I think, I'm like, well, how would I do it? Or does it have to be full-time? Is there some pressure? And he's just like, man, you do it the way you want to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I'm taking that home with me. of like, uh, just still the, the, the question of, do I need to be doing content? I, is, or is it just about the making stuff? Do I have to be putting the content out there too? Or if I do, how can I do that the way I, the way that works for me?
4: All right. Cool. Um, I mean, for me personally, the work is, I mean, it's not really work to me because I love it so much, and you know, I do put a lot of time into it, as you guys have, have probably we noticed. We see, we see that. Um, and I was really kind of reflecting on it yesterday because um, Scott Hardy, uh, Jimmy's friend who is literally one of the funniest people I've ever encountered. I met him last year, and I had an amazing connection with him. Um, He was making a joke yesterday about how He's like, oh, you know, I could probably hang with you like the first hour and be like, hey, come on in and get your picture, but like the second hour, I'd be like, um, uh, yeah, come in, all right, take a picture, and by the third hour, I'd be like, you want a picture? What? What is, I, I'm exhausted here, I can't. you know, he's like, but you do it for like 10, 14 hours a day, and you give the same energy to the first person as you do to the last person. So true. And I really, like, I realized at that moment, like, I'm doing it so much for the other person, and but I'm also so much doing it for me because I love it so much. It's not really work at that point, so it's, it's not a drag on me because it's the opportunity to meet a new person and to hear their story and to talk to them. And it's such a valuable, precious moment that I, none of them are wasted on me. I try to remember as much as I can from that. Um, I'm horrible with names recently. I, I don't know if there's something going on in there. Maybe I should get some scans, but I cannot remember a name, but I can definitely remember faces. So right. if I've shot you, I can remember you five years from now. Wow.
2: That's so cool. And I think Lee and I experience this quite a bit as educators, like those moments where you connect with a kid Mm -hmm. and you just get that opportunity to teach them how to make something or whatever, like, and you're like, "Uh, I'm at work (laughs) and it just doesn't, you you get lost in the fact that that's a job that you're doing, that somebody is, is paying you to do or bringing you a place to do. And you're like, I can't believe I've been blessed with the opportunity to do this for a living. And it's, it's pretty special when you love Mm. your work so much. Right.
4: Yeah. I mean, but it is. There is kind of the, the issue with, you always have to kind of find the market, how to get it to the people that need to consume it. Um, so as a business person, I need to spend like you know the next month or two kind of developing the plan for next year and rolling out to different clients and kind of see where I can move the portraits in a professional sense. Because right now it's only been, you because know, I've been a commercial photographer for 25, 30 years, so I've shot so many different things. Toys, iPhones, architecture, advertising, all that kind of stuff, which is great financially but emotionally it wasn't as rewarding as you know the moments like you say of connection and I really try to connect with each person that comes on set and give them a unique experience and give that time to them um, and I really want to try and focus more of my business on doing that and and getting paid for that kind of work and less of like a picture of a widget that was made that nobody emotionally cares about right. when
2: I, I you are the second like photographer that I've really like gotten to know really well that is at your level. The first one was my uncle. Um, it's strobo photo and it's Michael Northrup and he is the wildest photographer. He went by groovy. He still goes by uncle groovy. Like, so you can only guess he was a child in the sixties and he was absolutely uncle groovy. And when you look at his work, um, I can hear your emotional connection and kind of the wild ways that he would capture stuff. Um, but it's just neat from a photography angle to think about how you guys just look through that lens and what you see through that lens. And it's something that I, I don't understand, but it's, it's really cool to watch as a fly on the wall.
4: Cause I mean, what's it like from the other side? Like I, cause I, I don't really, cause I just, you know, I do photography from my own perspective and I just do what I do as, as openly and purely as possible as I, as I try to do it. Um, and I don't know what it's like to be on the other side of my lens. So what, can you talk to what that's like?
3: yeah do you wanna i mean we've all been there we've all have your photos we've all been able to share them post them uh what i one thing i like and why i was excited to get asked to be on here is because when you go home and throughout the year sometimes it's in the first few weeks but even throughout the whole year you're going to see somebody post either a, a a photo or a new episode comes out and i was like oh man I, that was so cool because i got to meet those guys and you and mush right and uh, and it just takes you right back. And like Leah was so friendly to me last year, didn't know me. And then this year, big hug and smile welcoming, like, welcome back. You're back. I'm so glad. And so I don't know, having those little reminders, your photos do that, I think. And, and so I'm, I'm super appreciative of it.
2: So I, I want to echo what you said, which was felt seen. And I remember when you took that photo that's sitting on the table right now and like, we're just joking around and you looked at me and you were like, maybe next time we shoot, you can wear a shirt that's a little tighter. And like, (laughs) you, you started right with that. And I just got to like, laughing and smiling and that smile right there is because it made me giggle because you were making fun of me in a good positive way and I just got to laugh and I sent that picture to my wife she's like that is the best picture anybody has ever taken of you and it's because you got me chuckling and like we were having fun together like right. we were just you know two buddies like doing right. something together making something cool happen having a good time and um that that photo that one and the other one that's just my headshot again like my wife saw that and she's like, that's you. Like, he got mm. you, like, and that's, that picture is really special. I took down, I've got all this other, like, you know, my pr- professional headshots and stuff. You know, i got bow ties on, work shirts, and all th- all this stuff, and almost instantly when I got that picture, I took all that crap down and reposted everything with my, with my Mark Adams headshot when he told me my shirt was too tight. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, same response from my family, too. Like, wow, this looks like you. Yeah. And there's something to that, man. I mean, I'm sure you hear it all the time, but there's, it really is pretty special.
4: Thank you. So I think that's a, a great place to wrap up, Leah.
1: so. Thank you guys so much for your time. Where can people go to learn more about you?
4: Uh, just Mark Adams Pictures on Instagram is all the current work. Uh, the professional stuff is just MarkAdamsPicturesOn.com. Um, and that just shows the wide range of, of stuff, but not really... It's not currently updated as much as the Instagram. Obviously, Instagram is every day. There's something new, hopefully. So... Go there, DM me, follow Did
3: you know that there's like the Mark Adams photography? Have you seen that? It's a totally different guy.
4: But around the world, I think there's like four or five commercial right. photographers that are Mark Adams. There's one guy in Australia that does a bunch right. of like, like portraits. And then there's a, a guy in uh, England, maybe. That, yeah, that's I tagged one. him. I
3: tagged him when I was trying to tag you. <laughs> right, him, right. So. And so that's
4: why I went with Mark Adams pictures instead of Mark Adams photography. Because, right. you know, Mark Adams is a pretty common name. Um, but then, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to differentiate it a little bit. But it is a little bit of a long email to explain to people when you're trying to like, they're like, hey, what's your email? And then I got to just, here you go. Just just be sure, Mark Adams pictures, you'll find it. It'll be the one with the black and white, or not actually red and white is the logo. Red, the logo's yeah. So black and white motorcycle pictures right, are primarily right. what you're going to see on that.
3: <laughs> I'm, uh, my last name, Stanfield Works at uh, on Instagram. And uh, last year I made a shirt because I had that for my business uh before before I was into this, and uh, but then I saw, oh, Jackman Works and a lot of these other ones. So last year I made a shirt with my logo that said Stanfield Works, but Jackman Works Harder underneath. So, <laughs> so good. Yeah.
2: You uh, can find me there if you want. Great. And um, as we do, uh, you, we're excited to kick off day three of Maker Camp with you guys this morning. But um, why don't you, uh, we've got some cups, so why don't we pick them up? And if one of you would lead us off in a toast, that would be fantastic. All right. Cheers to the
3: podcast at the Storyteller's Tavern. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Hey, thanks for everybody. Cheers, guys. Go. Cheers. Go. Gulp, gulp,
1: gulp. We just heard from Andrew Stanfield and Mark Adams. You can find Andrew on Instagram at StanfieldWorks. And Mark is on Instagram at MarkAdamsPictures or at MarkAdamsPictures.com. All of these are linked in the show notes.
0: That does it for this episode of the Storyteller's Tavern. We hope you enjoyed and we will join us next time. Until then, you can find us on Instagram at sttavernpod or at sttavernpod.com. Please consider subscribing to hear all episodes from this and future chapters, and consider rating or reviewing us wherever you get in these episodes. We had some tremendously generous support in making this chapter of the Storyteller's Tavern happen. Thank you to TotalBoat. Not only do they make wonderful resin, paint, varnish, and all sorts of other stuff for makers and DIYers, but they're just outright good people. Check out what they've got at totalboat.com. A major thank you goes out to The Tasting Lab in Greenville, New York, right next to Maker Camp in East Durham. Please stop by the next time you're in town to check them out or visit thetastinglab.com to learn more. Finally, the biggest thank you goes out to Austin, Maker Camp, and the Blackthorn family, both for your support of this show and for putting on Maker Camp. The community has been and will continue to be positively impacted by your love and support for years to come. Visit CatskillMountainMakersCamp.com to learn more and get tickets for next year as soon as they're available. If you'd like to help support this show directly, you can do so by visiting patreon.com sttavernpod ST The Storyteller Tavern is an independent production of Lee Northrop and me, Mush Hughes. This chapter also features Leah Hartman on the mic, to whom I am as forever indebted as I am immeasurably grateful. Music and episode production done by me, and you can find Lee, Leah, and me on Instagram at thetinkerteacher, Leah.learning, and Maker Mush, respectively. Finally, if you or a maker you know have a story that you'd like to share at the tavern or just want to drop us a line, you can send us a message on Instagram or reach out to us at contact at sttavernpod.com. But until next time,
1: keep making cool stuff, do good, and be well.